Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Y'all with me today? Yes. Hey, if you're watching from home, thank you so much for joining us. My name's Chris. I am the pastor at Venture Church, and I'm here with a group of some of my favorite people, Venture Church volunteers. This is a really big week for us. It's our last week of kind of practicing, I guess, or kind of getting our stuff set up in the gymnasium to get ready for you to come be with us in person next week. So starting next week, as you heard Patrick and Jeff say earlier, we are reopening our public services. Uh, A couple of things I want to make sure you know about that, and and also people in the room, tell your friends, uh, you'll notice I am not wearing a mask. The people that were on stage were spread out, and they're not wearing masks, but it's actually a YMCA building policy to do the masks. So plan on bringing a mask, get you a comfortable one. Yes, the whole time you're in the building, I'm really sorry. I know that you don't like it. I don't like it either. But it's an opportunity for us to be together. If that's something that you're not able to do or not willing to do, we are going to continue to provide this online service for you. So please, uh, until we're able to do it without masks, uh, just, just watch us online. That'd be great too. But I hope you will come. I hope you experience the community. Uh, we've got some chairs. and t- I mean, we've got tables spread out in here. It's like a restaurant style. Um, you probably can't see it from home. Maybe we'll get some video. Stick around until after service and we'll switch the video cameras around. You can see how the room's set up a little bit. Come out and hang out with us, you can go to jointheventure.com slash re-entry, slash re-entry. It's also just in the menu at the top of our website, uh, and learn all you need to know about what we're doing with kids, how is the social distancing and COVID stuff working out. I hope you will join us. Uh, Guys that are in the room, I'm glad you're here. So good to see everybody. I'm ready to get into today's teaching. Let's do this. I've got a group of friends, uh, and it's a group of five of us, and it's a very unique friendship dynamic. I don't know of another friend group that has quite the dynamic that we do. Uh, first of all, we all met in college, which isn't that abnormal. We all met in college, and we'd be hanging out. But since then, we've all gotten married, which also isn't that abnormal. Uh, and we all have kids. There's 12 kids total between the five of us. But the thing that's kind of neat is, so we live in five different cities over across two different states, and uh, all of us have grown so close that we actually still vacation together every other year. And we hang out and do a lot of things. On the years that the whole families don't vacation, uh, which by the way, when you get all 22 of us together, it's quite a scene. Uh, the, the, the dads go off and we do like a high adventure thing. We do like a canoeing trip or a camping trip. Also, the moms go off and they do a thing together and there's a lot less mud and a lot less you know bug spray in their adventures. And they do a lot of things. Uh, probably though, the most unique dynamic of our friendship and the way it's all connected is that uh, the five guys were all preachers. And if you'd have met us all in college, you'd have been like, uh, I don't know. I just don't know if anyone ever needs to listen to you for any advice, for all five of us, literally. But we've all kind of grown into our respective roles. None of us really kind of signed up for it or went to school to do this, but here we are. And the cool thing is because our unique friendship is so tight, we actually get together also another time once a year to do our sermon planning together. So in September, I get together with those five guys. We get away for a three-day retreat, and a large majority of what you hear me preach on a Sunday morning was planned at that weekend. Uh, Combined, I think over a thousand people in North Carolina and Virginia get to benefit from that three days away. Uh, And so it's really cool, that dynamic. Now here's the deal. I talk to this group all the time. We text almost every day. We use the Marco Polo app to do video chatting all the time. Uh, But we wanted to grow a little deeper in our relationship. So uh, this year we started a weekly Bible study. Now, I live at the closest, I think three and a half hours from the closest of these friends. And so it's three and a half to five hours away. A Bible study is not very practical. But we get together early on Thursday morning and we do FaceTime. And one of us leads through a chapter. Right now we're going through Hebrews. Um, 
it's a unique friendship, and I'm glad that I have it. Now, it's not all Bible studies and preaching things. In fact, the majority of our friendship is super goofy, a lot of cornhole, a lot of, uh, a lot of disc golf, a lot of competition, especially when the Cowboys play the Redskins. That's a big deal for us because there's kind of a divide there. Some of us are brain damaged and they don't know, but they'll come around. And, like, but, and there's always competition, and there's a wager on almost everything. Okay, it's like, yeah, I, I bet you can't hit that basket, or I bet you can't make it in the trash can. Everyone always owes someone else a milkshake. Like, it's, that's kind of our, like, currency that we work in, or Bojangles combinations. Like, that's, that's kind of how we trade things, and it's normally like, it's not like, you owe me a milkshake, and I you, owe you a milkshake, now we're even. No, it's like, you know, you still owe me a milkshake. Even if we buy it at the same time, and I gotta pay for yours, and you gotta pay for mine. The competitive stuff is there, it's a lot of fun. Uh, there may or may not have been a time where all five of us collectively lost sort of a bet thing, and we may or may not have all had to wear Speedos to a public pool together. Um, that may or may not also be scars that my children have to live with. I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> but we get crazy. Now, here's the deal. It isn't practical to be that close of friends with a group of people who live that far away. It's not practical. It's not easy for us to get together. To even to meet in the middle is like a two-hour drive for, for somebody. But it's intentional. It's intentional. Here's the deal. There's, there's a point in our lives where we realized we had a common bond in Jesus. And we wanted to build each other up on, on that foundation. And so years ago, 20 years ago, when we first met, we said, hey, let's grow together. We've done mission trips overseas in Africa, and we've served uh, after Hurricane Florence here. They, got, they came down here and served with our church. I mean, like cool stuff like that. It, it's not practical. But it's intentional. And the overflow of that intentionality about Jesus has led to all the fun and all the connections and all the trust. It's the rhythm of a disciple. We're in this teaching series called Rhythms of a Disciple, and the idea is that we want to be look at, at habits that will help us grow in our walk with God. These are spiritual disciplines, and so things we can do routinely. Specifically, these are rhythms of a disciple, like from the Bible. So we're looking at what did Jesus do, and what did his disciples do that helped them stay strong in their faith? And that's what this series is about. Let's outline those. We've got a, a six-week outline that goes around the acronym HABITS, H-A-B-I-T-S, and each week is kind of using a letter of that, and so the first week we did H. A Hunger for Righteousness. If you missed it, go check it out on our podcast, listen to it, or you can watch the sermon on YouTube. Uh, great, great teaching there on what it means to like readjust our spiritual appetite, get rid of the junk food and get the good stuff into us. That was H. Uh, a was abide with God, the idea of what it means to kind of uh, be present with him and, and prayer and stuff like that. B was last week. Does anybody remember B? Bible... Nobody? Bible internalization. Bible internalization. Uh, the idea that we got to get God's word in us. And so last week I challenged our church family to do uh, a Bible reading plan together on version. I think there's like 40 people in that group right now. And it's been really cool going through that study with you guys, leaving the comments and stuff. Uh, if, you, if you are still interested in joining that study, I mean it's a 12-day study um, and we're like, what, five or six days in, seven days in maybe, um, six days in. And you want to join that, just, just make a comment in the, the place below. We'll try to get the link posted and shoot me an email, chris at join the venture. It's not too late to jump on. But that was Bible internalization. Today, we're on I. I is intentional relationships. Like my friends that I just talked about. We'll get to T, S in the next couple of weeks. T is telling the story. S is serving others. 
But let's talk about intentional relationships this morning. There's a quote that has just stuck with me for years and years. It's by a guy named Andy Stanley, a preacher down in Georgia, author, well-known guy. He says this about our relationships, specifically about our friendships. He says, your friends determine the quality and direction of your life. Have you heard that before? I've used it before. Your friends determine the quality and direction of your life. So the people that we surround ourselves create like, that we surround ourselves with, create this like ecosystem in which we grow. And so it's not a good ecosystem, we grow in a bad way. And if it's a good ecosystem, we grow in a good way. Our friends kind of create that for us. The great and wise King Solomon of Israel, he writes this in the Old Testament. He spent his life's riches and his time trying to uh, decide what is the meaning of life. And that's the book of Ecclesiastes, by the way. If you want to read a really insightful book, read Ecclesiastes, and you'll find that he tried a lot of kind of things to find happiness. But he also wrote some Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. And so Proverbs 27 says a similar thing. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's the same idea. Our friendships form us. It makes me think about what Dr. Mark Moore says in his book, Core 52, about this same passage. He says... All of us are the sum of our relationships. Process that. All of us are the sum of our relationships. Though our characteristics are unique, our character is forged on the anvil of our community. So think about a blacksmith. Like, I don't know if you know how a blacksmith works. I'm not a blacksmith, but I've watched some people do some cool metal work, especially on TV. And you heat up this forge and you get it super hot and you put all kinds of metals in there. And then there's a process where you take the hot metal out and you just hit it with a hammer and you can shape it. And a good blacksmith can make like anything out of a piece of metal. And it's a pretty cool thing. So they can do practical things like a, like a butter knife or, or, or an ax head or something, a shovel, you know, you can make out of a piece of metal. Or you can make beautiful things, a piece of art, a sculpture. A good blacksmith can do that. So each of us comes into the world like a raw piece of metal. And God allows all kinds of things to shape us. Like he's the driving force behind shaping us. But he actually really allows other people to shape us. As iron sharpens iron, one man and one person sharpens another. God allows people. Think about the impact your parents had on you. For good or for bad, your best friends in school. For good or for bad, your coaches and mentors. And those people come in our life and they shape who we are. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So if we're going to be in rhythm with God, do something different. If we're going to be in rhythm with God, uh, we need to understand that we've got to be intentional about having God-honoring relationships in our life. Because these people really really shape us. This is a a kind of a transitional thought. Check this out. Faith in God is best experienced in community. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I think that's why we talked about some statistics last week about how much Bible reading went down in 2020. And I think it's because Christian community was difficult. Has anybody in this room experienced difficulty in community recently? Yeah. Like everything you did with other people got canceled. And so... Faith in God really gets fostered in community. Even Jesus surrounded himself with people. 
This is Jesus, God in the flesh. But if you look at Jesus' ministry on this earth, he was with people. He was in community. And he was very impactful in helping to shape them. And I think they impacted him as well. We see it happening. And so we're going to look at the Bible some today. If you got one, go ahead and pull it out. And take a look at uh, the book of Luke. Luke is one of the four biographies of the life of Jesus. And we're going to be in chapter 6, verse 12. Very short passage in Luke today. And then we're going to hop around to a couple other other places. But I want to take a look at a moment in Jesus' life where community was really important. And he took some time with his intentional relationships to set some people up for success and really ultimately us. So Luke chapter six, starting in verse 12, it says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Make a mental note of that. We've already talked about times when he did this, when we talked about abide. He spent the night there and he prayed to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them. So there were lots of people that followed Jesus around and called themselves disciples, but he handpicked 12 of them, uh, who he also designated as apostles. These are their names. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot. There was a couple Jameses, a couple Simons. I'm going to switch microphones real quick. What's the best one for me to use there? And we also get Judas. Son of James, Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So this all happens kind of quick, but let's go ahead and kind of review, uh, let's kind of review a a piece that happened there. Am I back? A piece that happens there in that story that's going to really help us see that Jesus' intentionality was important. This list of names that we just got, I mean, you you saw them there, Peter, James, John, Alphaeus, Thaddeus, and all all these people are in the list. When you see this group of people, it's not just a list of cool people Jesus wants to hang out with, okay? He's not making a list of people to invite to a party. He's not doing his fantasy football roster. Like, this is just, there's a very intentional purpose for this. If you look at this list of names, this is the list of names that will come to shape branches of the church that we are still part of today. Every one of them played a role in that. These are important names. This is a very important decision that Jesus is making. And if you look at verse 13, what decision is he making? Because we had some like technical issues there. I don't want you to miss this. He pulled them aside and he designated them as apostles. There was an intentional, purposeful direction to his, you know, choosing of them and talking to them. Each of these men had already decided to follow Jesus. It wasn't like a new thing for them. They were already in Jesus' camp, but Jesus wanted to intentionally kind of tap them for something. What does the word apostle mean? Uh, an apostle is someone who is sent with a message, okay? So there's the disciple, and that's somewhat passive. A disciple is a follower, is a learner, okay? So you've got a teacher and you've got a student. So this is the rabbi Jesus, this is the disciple, the student. But the apostle is one who's been empowered to take the message and go out. This is an active assignment. You see the difference? So Jesus has kind of looked at his whole crew and he said, you 12. And he is very intentional about this relationship. Now, um, have you ever seen the, uh, this kind of a meme or hashtag that kind of goes around that uh, relationship goals? You've seen this? And so the way this works is like someone posts a picture of of a couple doing something fun or something cute or something quirky. And they're like, oh, relationship goals. And it's like, it's basically like a jab from, I think the girlfriend to tell the boyfriend to like pick up his game. Basically. I think that's what that is. Some of them are cute. Some of them are a little bit weird. I don't know. Forget the meme. Forget the hashtag. I want to take the concept of relationship goals and have us lay that like a blanket over top of all the relationships we have in our life and ask ourselves, what are the goals of your various relationships? Think about the people you spend the most time with. 
What is your goal in that relationship? I don't know there's a wrong answer, but like, is the goal just to have fun? That's a good goal. Is the goal like they build me up, they make me feel good about myself. Maybe the goal is like, I love hanging out with this person because they make me laugh. That's a a reasonable goal. Maybe they're there to support you at hard times. Now here's the deal. When it comes to Jesus and his disciples, I feel positive that like there was a lot of laughing and there was a lot of joking, a lot of prodding. They probably owed each other a lot of milkshakes and stuff. I don't know. But I also believe that, and we also see them go through some hard times. I mean, they, they go with each other through uh, sickness and through the death of loved ones and things like that. It's a big deal. But I don't think that any of those were the primary goal of the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. I think the bedrock goal of Jesus' friendship with his disciples was that they honor God, that they be light shiners that they be people who impact the world for God and to build up the kingdom of God. I'm sure that Jesus sat because he was a faithful Jewish person. I'm sure that he sat with his disciples every day and said the prayer called the Shema. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Like, I I feel certain that he sat with them and he taught them from the scriptures and that they discussed it together because that was the relationship of a rabbi to his followers. Now, the cool thing is I think the overflow of that relationship was the fun. The fact that we can be there to support each other. The fact that we can go through hard times. The fact that we can laugh together. But the intentionality. What was the relationship goal? Hashtag relationship goals. Growing in their relationship with God. I love looking at the disciples as a case study on friendships. Because when you look at them, these dudes were not perfect. I mean, Jesus was perfect. Okay, so Jesus had that figured out, and that probably frustrated them sometimes. But the other guys weren't. They didn't get Jesus all the time. They didn't always make the right decisions. There's one time where James and John walk up to Jesus, and they kind of misunderstood what Jesus was doing in the world at this point. And so they thought he was going to rise up and be like a political leader and maybe a king or a general and do this big rebellion. And so they kind of get Jesus' ear one day, and they're like, hey, Jesus, listen, when you start your kingdom, ah, can we get a seat at your right hand and your left hand? Can we have some positions of power? And Jesus stops. They're walking down the road. Jesus is like, you don't even know, you don't even know what we're doing. Uh, yes, by the way, you will have a pretty important part to play, but I don't think you're going to like it. It's going to be hard. And so this is Jesus kind of learning. They're not perfect. Peter, man, the dude's mouth gets ahead of his brain all the time. I can relate so much to Peter. I watch this guy and he says things and Jesus is like, would you stop? You just, you're stabbing people with your knife and you're talking junk and you're just, would you stop? Like Jesus kind of calms him down. The reason I point that out is because our goal in our relationships, when I say intentional relationships, it's not that we find perfect people to be with. But that when it comes to, when we establish what is the foundation of our relationship, we say this is intentional. There are goals here. And some of them are more important than others. So I could take a lot of time this morning and we could go verse by verse and story by story through all of the different times when Jesus and his disciples interact. And that would be a lot of fun. Um, But I want to encourage you to do that. Just read through one of the gospels. There's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read through one of them, read through all four of them. You'll see that. You'll see the intentionality. And so instead of doing that, what I want to do, this series, the goal of this series is that it's kind of a practical workshop on ways that we can specifically take an action and and grow in our faith, like the Bible study thing we started last week and and different, you know, tips I've given throughout this series. And so for this one, I want to give us a little workshop on what does it mean to be intentional about our relationships and help us to grow in God. So uh, let's just do that. What I've done is I've pulled together three habits 
for building intentional relationships. And here's a spoiler alert. You've heard these before if you've been coming to Venture for a while. In fact, this might be the third or fourth time I've done this list. And no, I'm not going to rewrite it because I haven't come up with something better. This is, this, this, I really believe these are time-tested and proven ways to say the relationships in my life matter. So let me make sure I'm pointing them at God, okay? So these are three things. If you're a note-taker, you might have already taken these notes and you get to take some time off. Um, but there are three things. I, I think the goal of these three things is that we want to recognize the people in our life and what impact they're having on us, and or two, we begin to look for new people who can be uh, directly helping us grow, okay? And so here, here they are. Let me just give them to you. The first one is this. We need to intentionally pray for God-honoring relationships. Intentionally pray for. People pray for a lot of things. Did you notice what Jesus did before he came down to appoint the disciples, the apostles? He's, he went, basically went camping for the weekend and stayed out on a mountain for a day and he prayed before he came down to make this big decision. So the big things that we do in our life, and if, if these relationships shape us, we need to spend time talking to God about it. You can say, dear God, I need to be disciplined spiritually. Will you please send some people into my life that can help me do that? That's a prayer that you can pray intentionally pray. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 7, specifically about prayer. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 9, Jesus says, now which of you, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? So if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You follow that? Like, God wants us to have these relationships, and he wants us to talk to him about it, and we can ask. You can pray right now, God, I want my faith to grow. Will you please send some people into my life who can help lead me there? Pray for intentional relationships, specific people intentionally. Okay, second one, second one. Intentionally schedule time with God-honoring people. Okay, so the first thing, we need to have some people in our life. But once they get there, what are we going to do with these people? We need to set up time to meet with them. And there's a good chance that you've been like, I just need a mentor. I need somebody to guide me. And God's like, I have put so many people in your life. Would you like reach out to them? And you can go to someone and say, listen, uh, can we grab coffee and talk sometime? Can we just, business leaders do this all the time. If I'm running a business and we do a thing, we make this widget. And I see a business over there that's killing it. And this guy's like a nice guy. I'm going to be like, hey, could I buy you lunch sometime? Just pick your brain. Business leaders do this all the time. We do this academically. We hire tutors for our kids and we do things to help us study. People who are farther along in something and can help us, they can come along and do that. Maybe you've had an apprenticeship. Maybe you've taken piano lessons or guitar lessons. Like you go to someone who can help guide you. And so we need to schedule these times. And you say, listen, would, would you mind getting together with me once a week, once a month? Can we schedule this time? Can we just study the Bible together? I've had this happen to me. It's been very humbling, but young married couples come to my wife and I and say, hey, listen, would you mind uh, us kind of spend some time to you talking about, we're thinking about having kids, we have young kids. I'd just like to talk to you about parenting. The opportunity, when they reach out, to me that is such props, you know, props. I'm like, wow, you really are looking for that insight. And one thing that we'll tell them often is like, we're not doing it perfect. Make sure you talk to other people too. Schedule time intentionally. Because here's the deal. Jesus spent time with his disciples. Time. 
24 hours a day, seven days a week, Jesus' disciples are following him around. So they're seeing him when he burns the pancakes. You know, they're seeing him when he's a little cranky in the morning. I wonder if Jesus ever burned pancakes or got cranky. I don't know, probably not. But they also saw, I mean, they saw him when he was frustrated about things. They saw him when he was really happy. They saw him when he lost loved ones. Like it was this, it was this whole package, the ups and downs. We can't hope to be discipled by someone just by following them on Instagram or TikTok. We can't just hope to be discipled by someone. Like if the most teaching you ever get is from me on Sunday morning for half an hour, like I'm glad that you're doing that. And those things are good, but we've got to spend one-on-one time with people. Imagine if you just spent 10 minutes a week with someone who could help disciple you. It could be a phone call. Can I call you on your lunch break? We can talk for 10 minutes. Did you know that over the course of one year, those 10 minutes would add up to over eight hours of time? And that really makes a difference. And you're making sizable investments in your spiritual life by doing that. So schedule time. So we said uh, pray for time. We said schedule time. Let me talk a little bit about the schedule thing from Scripture. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. This is King Solomon again. He writes this. And this is, this is a telling verse. Walk with the wise and become, you see it what? Wise. Walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. If you're a teenager and your parents are like, and like what Ms. Bethel was saying in her video this morning, they were like, yeah, that person probably shouldn't be your role model. Read this verse. There's a lot of wisdom in it. Take a look at what uh, the writer of Hebrews says. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together like some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. We have been living in a time of isolation. COVID-19 and pandemic and shutdown has caused us to really be forced to retreat. And there's safety things there. But I'm going to tell you, we live in a world also where you can contact people. You can talk. Uh, You can do video chats. You can meet with masks on, six feet apart. But don't give up meeting together. Make this intentional. Okay, pray for them. Schedule time with them. Third one is this. Intentionally be that person, see my air quotes, intentionally be that person for someone else. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew five sixteen, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. The things that we do reflect God's goodness. And you can be that person. You can be that intentional relationship for someone else. You can be that mentor. You don't have to be the mountaintop guru. You can be on the same page as someone else and help them just as much. But it's about the intentionality. Be that person. Matthew chapter 28, uh, Jesus gives us some more direct instruction. And so if you would call yourself a Christian this morning, we need to remember, we call this our great commission. This is Jesus saying, this is what you should do, by the way, if you're my disciple. Verse 18, Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so Jesus is saying, listen, go be that person for someone else. Be that intentional relationship that helps them grow. We can become spiritual leeches sometimes. Emotional leeches, financial leeches. I don't think any of us want to be that person. Sometimes we need to be. Sometimes you've hit a low spot, and that's okay. That's totally okay. I love that Jesus says, I'll be with you always. You know, so even when we feel like I got nothing to give, Jesus is like, well, you're not alone. But if you get to a point where this is becoming important to you, you can reach out to others. Um, 
let, let me tell you a, a quick illustration, a story of one of these people for me. I, I've been blessed by having a lot of good people reach out to me and say, hey, can we spend some time together? Let's just talk. People that I would consider, you know, up here for me. One of those people is a guy named Errol Stepp. A lot of you guys know Errol. Errol is the man. Uh, I'm thankful for people like Errol. Right now he's uh, in New Mexico. The guy has moved away from Wilmington. He's enjoying the the warm climate. Errol, if you're watching online, I love you, buddy. You're the man. Um, So if he's on there, y'all say hey to him in the comments. But um, Errol is in his 80s. He's in his 80s. And he's full of wisdom and experience and, and humility. He just carries it so well. And many of you have benefited from the intentionality that Errol has put into reaching out to you. You need anything? Can I pray for you? He used to offer a, uh, he and his wife, uh, his late wife Rita, offered a class called Love and Respect. And a lot of our married couples went through that class and it was really good. They did that. They just poured out. They were like, let's, let's pour out. While Errol was here, he was so intentional about reaching out to me. I was one of the people he poured into. And he, I think he had it on a, I mean, th- this guy's a machine. You know, Errol, he's a machine, right? And Errol's like, it's been time. We've got to meet with Chris. And so he'll call me, hey, you want to grab coffee? And he'd sit down, and he would just want to hear about my life. He'd have a few things he'd like to add. But there's never really a big agenda to the meeting. It was just like, I want to make sure you're okay. How can I pray for you? Errol's full of so many great spiritual disciplines, okay? He's a, he's a prayer warrior. He, he's got scripture down. He's also a student, so he's always learning, and he's wanting to grow. The reason I tell a story about Errol is specifically because he's a guy in his 80s, and it might be difficult for some of us to relate to that. Um, Errol has lived my life twice, (laughs) but let's go back to Errol in his 20s, 30s, and 40s. You, You think he was killing it back then? Probably. He would say no, but it started with intentionality. And what I know about Errol, because I've talked to him, is that he had other people pouring into him. The way the kingdom of God has prospered for 2,000 years is this pay it forward mentality. People pour into you, you pour into them. God shines his light, we reflect it into the world. And when I'm in my 80s, I hope that I can be someone like Errol who can be intentional about loving on younger people, someone who is intentional and methodical about loving and guiding other people. And one thing I know for a fact is that Errol didn't wait until he was in his 80s to get started. What I want to encourage us to do today is to start being intentional about reaching out. Yes, we need to be poured into. That's up to you too. Reach out, find mentors. But that we will reach out to other people. Um, as we're looking into regathering and re-entering, there's, there's a lot of stuff on our mind. And your kids are doing Zoom calls. Are they in person? Or is it Monday and Tuesday or Thursday and Friday? What are we doing Wednesday? Oh, my goodness. I think we're just going to homeschool. No, homeschool is crazy. It's crazy right now. But in the midst of all of this, you know what we need? We need each other. We need community. And we need it founded in the rooted love and support system of Jesus. Let's be a church that's about that. We've got relationship goals. We don't have to be perfect, but we need to be intentional. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's the rhythm of a disciple. Let's pray.